Yeah, can you open your Bibles, please, with me in uh, Revelation 19? I'm, I'm going to start, um, keep working on my computer or my tablet. Something's wrong with it. This never happens on Sunday, I promise you. But today is the day. Um, Revelation 19. Let's read verses uh, 6 and on. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of, of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thunders, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her, to her it was granted to be, uh, I don't know that word, array, thank you, in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, write, uh, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We do thank you, Lord, because we have hope in Jesus Christ. Because we are called to be your wife. And our destiny is with you in eternity, Lord. Just help us to understand that this morning. Help us to realize that we are yours. And that we, our minds, our church, this church belongs to you. We thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. And we will say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Ooh, nice. Thank you. Um... I just want to say something about Pastor Tim. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's really hard to figure him out. Him out. When I came here for the first time, uh, I, I saw him. And you, you, you guys know him. You see him. And he's a quiet and serious guy. He's always walking up straight and all that. And it was like, who's this guy? For, for a minute, I thought he was actually the senior pastor. That was the pastor, uh, Jerry was lying to me, and Tim was the senior pastor. He was all straight and serious and all that. But then I was talking, as, as I started talking to him, he, sometimes he comes up with those random jokes, uh, just sarcastic jokes. And so I have this theory that he's Mexican. <laughs> I have, and so my prayer for him for this uh, couple of months is that he comes in terms with his real heritage, heritage, you know, and he just comes back, and probably next time you see him, he's going to say, my name is Juan, hopefully. <laughs> uh, we've been reading, out of, uh, where we have been starting about the church, what is the church, and what is the purpose of Jesus for the church, the church with a Big C in the church for us locally. And, it, you know, guys, it's been a blessing to me just going through the different uh, 
topics about the church, going through the different uh, purpose of God for us, I have grown a lot. Is that your experience through this series? Because it was for me, and I'm super glad uh, that today we're talking about the church as the bride of Jesus, because that's who we are. When we compare the modern church to the seven churches in Revelation, we see that there's not a lot of difference for us. For example, they're in the church today, those who are faithful, and they work for Jesus, but they are lacking in love. Maybe you're one of those persons, those people. There are those who are suffering for following Christ. They're suffering persecution, persecution till today in different places in the world, and even here in the United States. There are those who need to come to repentance in order to restore the relationship with Jesus Christ because they have missed the goal. There are those who tolerate the world in their lives. They tolerate their world in their own midst, in their churches, their congregations. And so it's really hard to uh, define if they're really Christians or not. There are those people in the church that are faithful and they're uh, committed to persevere and committed to fulfill the Great Commission. There are those also, they are just lukewarm. They have too much of the world in their hearts, so they're not able to enjoy Jesus. And they have too much of Jesus in their hearts that are not able to enjoy the world. And so we see that that's, it, that's not an encouraging scene for the church. It wasn't back then when John was writing. It is not today because that's not the purpose for Jesus or Jesus' purpose for the church. But then we come to the 19th chapter of Revelation, and we see a perfect church. We see the ideal church. We see the bride of Jesus getting ready to come in union with Jesus Christ for eternity. And we just read that it was granted to the church, to her, to dress herself in white linen. Well, that's purity, that's perfection. And that is the hope for us because we all struggle in our lives. I think we've all been in the different stage of those seven churches. Sometimes we're in fire for the Lord, sometimes we're not. Maybe today you're happy to be here, and today maybe you're just sacrificing yourself to be here. But you know what? The promise is that if you belong to Jesus, you will be perfected to him and for him in eternity. I'm here to tell you today that the church is the bride of Christ, permanently united to Christ and faithfully waiting for the day when Christ returns and heaven and earth will be one. That's our goal. That's our heart. So in this morning, you are lacking in love. You, are, you feel like you're persecuted. You need restoration. Maybe you're overwhelmed with the world. Maybe you feel like you're in a deep sleep spiritually, or maybe you just need hope. I need to remind you the words of Jesus Christ who said, Look up and lift up your hands because your redemption draws near. Jesus is coming for a church. Jesus is coming for his bride. And why do we feel confident that we as the church will be perfected? We're going to be perfect. Well, the Bible says, which is read it, it says, it describes Jesus as the Lord. And the Lord says that we will be perfected. 
He is God, and He is God said that His church will be with Him. He is the, uh, I'm, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but is the omnipotent God? Is that the word? You can correct me later. Uh, but you know what I mean. And He can do anything, and He will do anything for us to be perfected. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, says that we are the church and we, our destiny is with them forever and ever. So what I'm saying is that the church does not depend on the church. The church depends on Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I will build my church. It doesn't depend either on the pastors or the shepherds, the earthly shepherds. We do our job. We try to do the best. But at the end, the church depends on the only perfect shepherd, Jesus Christ. We depend on him. And so that's why we read and, and our hearts are filled with confidence when we read uh, Philippians 1, 6 that says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I just, I pray that today your heart will feel, be filled with hope. But in the same way that we are called to trust God for our completion, we are also called to do something to be ready for that day. The Bible says that the bride has made herself ready. That's what we just read. The bride has made herself ready. So there's two aspects of this. Jesus is making sure that we're getting home, but also the bride is getting ready. We're doing our part. Hebrews says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without a wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So you see, there's, there's two aspects of this. In one hand, we need to trust God. In the other hand, we need to be ready. And that means that there's something that we need to do in, 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 uh, in order for us to be ready. When I say, when we speak about being prepared for Jesus, I'm not saying, like some many do, that if you're not ready, you're going to lose your salvation. That is not the idea that the Bible is trying to communicate. Rather, I think we refer to that, the bride's attitude. When she knows that her wedding day is near, she makes the necessary preparations, not of fear of rejection, but she's getting ready because she has confidence and joy because she has received a promise from her uh, fiancé. The promise that he will return. So the readiness that I'm talking about is a joyful readiness. The readiness I'm talking about is a hopeful readiness. It's a faithful readiness. It's a dynamic readiness. That means that we are getting ready. We're doing something about it. Many people are waiting for that day, and they're just crossing their arms and saying, oh, I know, God saved me, so I'm, I'm, I'm good. That's not readiness. We're talking about uh, dynamic readiness. We are aware, I'm aware, that this text that we just read in Revelation has many theological uh, implications and debates, and I'm super thankful when I was preparing this sermon that before this, Pastor Derek did an excellent series on Revelation. 
So if you have any theological or eschatological questions, go back to the archives, listen to the, the sermons because they're good, the teachings. Uh, my focus today is more a practical thing. It's going to be more of a practical, and the question I want to answer is how can the bride of Jesus be ready for her wedding day? How can you and I be ready for that amazing day when, thing, when we're going to be for eternity with Jesus Christ? Well, this, the Bible talks about the church as the wife of Jesus, and uh, you know, they, it takes that example, it takes that metaphor from the Jewish, the ancient Jewish marriage. And there was at least three aspects of that uh, back-in-the-day marriage in the Jewish uh, custom. And it was, first, there was a commitment. That was when the, the groom will choose the bride. Remember, you, you guys remember when Abraham sent his servant to choose a wife for his son Isaac? That was the first aspect, the commitment then, was, then there was this uh, pact between them. Uh, it's called the betrothal. Uh, that aspect of when they come together in a pact, they're not, uh, they, they don't consummate the marriage, but there's a pact between them, and legally they're considered uh, a marriage. And then the final wedding day, that's the party. That's the food and the drinking and all that, the happiness. And we can see that, and we, in my purpose is to use those three aspects and to teach or learn from those and how can we be ready. So the first aspect is the, uh, the time when the, the bride was chosen. Yeah, she was uh, chosen either by the parent, the dad of the groom, or the groom himself. But in the ancient days, marriage was looked upon more of an alliance between two families. It was more of survival tactic. It wasn't about love. It wasn't romantic. It wasn't like that back in the day. It was business, you know. And I remember my first girlfriend. Usually I don't talk about this, but I had permission from my wife. Yeah. First of all, because I'm not going to ever see her again. Second, because I was six years old when I had a chance. All right. So when I was starting this, it reminded me of that because my first girlfriend was kind of like that. So I was in first grade in school. I was about yeah, six years old or seven years old. And in Mexico, you know, you, we don't have the things you guys have here, like Kids go to school, and they have their cafeteria. They go, and they, they serve their food for them. We don't have that. Parents give money to their kids, and they have to run to a little store, you know, and we have recess. But imagine 100 or more kids in the school just running to a little, little small store, like probably this size, you know. So everybody's rushing in, trying to get their tortas and their drinks and all that. And it was my first year of school, and I saw this little girl, beautiful girl. She was beautiful. And she told me, hey, I have money. I didn't have any money. And she said, I have money. Do you want to buy me a torta, and you can buy yourself a torta? That was a good deal. 
And so I said, I'll take the money, and I rushed in and pushed people in. I was a hero. You know, I bought the torta. She got a torta. I got my torta. And then we sat together. That was our first day at school. We sat together. We ate the torta. And then she goes, you know what? Do you want to be my boyfriend? <laughs> That's what she said. And I was like, why? Well, that way, every day we can sit together. You can Push in, you can struggle with the torta, I'll buy you the torta. And I was like, that's a good deal, you know? That's a good deal. And so that was my first girlfriend, right? It didn't last long. It didn't last long because she found a stronger and bigger kid, all right? But usually, that was the way marriage was done back in the day. Aren't you glad that that's not the way God shows you? It wasn't that way. Hosea 11.4 says, I draw them with gentle cords, with bounds of love. And I was to them as those who take the joke from their neck. I stooped and fed them. Jesus shows us out of love. He, we were not convenient to him. He was convenient to us. He draws with his mercy and considers us worthy of his love. We were not worthy. He gave us an identity of freedom. Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord has appeared of all to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with love and kindness, I have drawn you. God came to us in Jesus Christ, and he loved us. That's you, church. That is the church. God, Jesus, loves the church. Is it perfect today? Well, this church is not. And if you go across the street, there's no perfect church. But Jesus loves his church. So the first thing for us to get ready, if we want to get, be ready, we need to respond to Jesus' love. If we want to be ready, we need to respond to Jesus' love. We are bound to Jesus' love. We are bound to the beauty of his love. Do you remember the kind of love Jesus had for his bride, the kind of love Jesus has for you? Let me tell you something, church. Remember us as the way to readiness. Remember that unconditional love that God demonstrated to you and to the church in general? Is there anyone able to love you with a perfect and unconditional love like Jesus Christ? Is there anybody who can love you like Jesus? The answer is no. Is there anybody that can love you with a sacrificial love like Jesus? Is there anybody willing to give himself in a perfect way for you? No. Everybody else wants something from you. Jesus gave himself for you. Remember his purifying love? Is there any, any love in this world that can not only inspire you to be a better person, but actually make you a better person? Only Jesus' love. Only the love of God can transform a heart and give you a new nature. Nothing else compares in this world. Remember that protective love? 
that commitment that God has for you, that he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, that is the love of Jesus Christ. And we, when, when we see that love, there's only one answer. We love him because he loved us first. And that makes us ready. That has, makes our hearts ready for him because then, because he loves us, we are committed to his headship. That's why the Bible says, uh, husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. And he compares the marriage, uh, our marriage, our uh, earthly marriage, so we can understand the heavenly one. And he says, husbands, love your wives. And then he calls the wives to say, and honor, respect, submit to your husbands. It's a response to the love. It's a mutual thing, and that's what Jesus did. And so the church is willing to submit to him. The church is willing to yield whatever is not satisfying to him. Whatever he doesn't like, we're willing to yield it for his glory because he loves us. We are willing to yield our uh, culture. We are willing to yield our ideas, our, our whatever it is, we are willing to just submit it to Christ and follow him because there's nobody else that loves us like Jesus Christ. Nobody else. We are willing to serve him with joy. We love him, we serve him, and as we do that, we are being or we're getting ready for him. We are bound not only to him, but we are bound with his love, all of us together. All of us together. There's 59 times in the Bible that it says this, this little phrase, one another. Love one another. Pray for one another. Support one another. 59 times. Because the church, it's about people. The church, it's about people and us loving each other, us becoming one. You are not able to love, really love a person until you know that person. Do you understand that, guys? We can say, oh, I love everybody in the world. Oh, I love people in China. I love people in Mexico. Yeah, sure, you love them. Yeah. But it's, more, it's harder to say, I love my brother that goes to church, that person that is in the home group. And I just, that's harder. It's harder to say, I love my husband. I love my wife because you know that person. And that person knows you. But we are called to be ready together to love each other with that love. We are called, and what I'm, the point I'm trying to say is that if we're going to have love among us, we need to know each other. I want to encourage you, church, please, again, I said it last time and I'm going to say it again. And every time I get to teach, I'm going to say it. We need to be open to know each other. We need to be open to say, hi, what's your name? I'm glad to, you're here at church. How can, a, what uh, home group do you go? What life, life group do you go? I would like to join a life group because that's the only way you can know, actually know the church buddy. 
I mean, we sit together, we're so close to each other, but we don't know each other. And if we're going to be ready for Jesus, we need to start practicing love, knowing each other. So I know it's hard because people are scary. You know, <laughs> I know. But we, we, we are bound to his love. You know, Jesus came to a world that didn't know him. See what I'm saying? Jesus came to a world that didn't know him, that didn't love him, that didn't appreciate him. A world that is completely contrary, contrary to he, what he believed and who he was, but he was there. He came. That is love. See? And so when we think about being ready, we need to remember God loved us, so we are bound to that love. And we need to enjoy that love, and we need to give that love to each other because that's the church, a loving church. Amen? The church, the bride is a loving bride. Going back to the old custom, the old Jewish custom of marriage, so there was the choosing, and then there was the, uh, the, uh, uh, the commitment. That's when the couple were just like sign a contract saying that there were a, a marriage. That was, that was exactly what happened. That was a state where Joseph and Mary the mother of Jesus were when she, uh, she was pregnant with Jesus. Remember that the angel told him that oh, she was waiting and she was pregnant out of the spirit. And she was, he was like, oh, I, don't, I don't really believe that. But he was a godly man. And there, were, there was the word, that word that is really hard for me to, to pronounce, be, betrothal. She was betrothed with him. And, uh, and so the idea is that there was a pact, there was a, a signature, there was a, a, a covenant. They were not still, they, were, they didn't consummate the marriage, but they were together. And so whenever a, a person was unfaithful in that section or that moment of their in a relationship, that was considered unfaithfulness. That was considered um, uh, adultery, and the law would say that that person, the unfaithful one, should die. That's why Joseph tried to leave Mary in secret, because he was a godly man. man he didn't want her to die, but the Spirit told him, God uh, sent the, the angel and said, don't be afraid to take in this woman as your wife, because what he, she has in, in her belly is from the Spirit. And so that's the process. It means then this pact, and, and from, from this pact, the sign pact, the contract, to the wedding day could be even a year. So that relationship could be a year where she was back at home with her mom, and he was out working and getting ready to have a house and money to come back and bring her to him. That's why Jesus said in, the, in my father's house, there's many places. Remember that? And it, when I I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. That's where we are right now as a church. We are in that state where we are married to Jesus, 
but it's not complete. We're still waiting for that day, waiting for him to come back for us. But we belong to him. That's the, that's the whole point of this uh, ceremony, that they belong to each other. Not, nothing and nobody else can come between and should come between them. And that's the exact thing that Jesus did for us on the cross. That's what Jesus did for us, for the church. He bought us with his blood. He gave us a promise. He gave us the spirit as a promise. You know, back in the day, the, the, the groom will give the, the bride either money or a ring or something valuable, promising that even though he's going to go away for a while, he will come back. He will come back. Well, Jesus gave us his Holy Spirit. Jesus gave us his presence through the Holy Spirit, promising that he will come back for us. He paid the price through his blood. There was an, another relationship, kind of like ours, but it was between Israel and Jehovah, God. Remember what Israel did? Israel was unfaithful with God. And so God decided to do or make a new pact with all believers. That's the new covenant. Jesus made a new covenant through his blood. And what Jesus is saying to us is that he will be our God and we will be his people. We belong to him. Do you understand that? That you belong to Jesus Christ? If we want to be ready, we need to live like we belong to Jesus. If we want to be ready, we need to live like we belong to Jesus Christ. We reserve ourselves to Jesus Christ. Our relationship with Christ is exclusive in nature, church. There's nothing allowed. We should not allow anything else come between us and our relationship with Jesus Christ. Syncretism and faith equals is spiritual adultery. So many people want to have Jesus and something else. A little bit of Jesus, a little bit of Hinduism, a little bit of uh, whatever idea, uh, I, 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 philosophy you have, you want that in your life. That's not the way of the bride. That's not the way of Jesus. Either you belong to him or you don't belong to Jesus Christ. Either you are his bride or you're not. And as a church, as a body, we need to understand that. That whatever we do, whatever we teach from the pulpit, whatever we sing, whatever we do as a body has to align with that principle that we belong to him. First, Second Corinthians 11 two says, For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. This is Paul talking to the church in Corinth. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. The idea is that we reserve ourselves to Jesus. We don't allow any thoughts, any sin, any ideas, any culture between God and us. Our relationship with Jesus Christ has to come first. That means that holiness, holiness is the calling for the church. 
we need to seek holiness. That is, we, are, we, separate, we separate ourselves from the world. We separate ourselves from the ideas of the world. We separate ourselves from whatever hinders our relationship with Jesus Christ. We identify ourselves also with Jesus. I would like to consider, or for us to consider, Ephesians 5, 25 and 27. I, I'm not sure if we have that in the screen, but it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave, look, himself for her. He gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself, that is, for him. He gave himself for her, and now he wants her to present to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she shall be holy without blemish. Now, again, Jesus is going to take care of that at the end, but there's a part that we play in this. We need to guard our hearts, our identity, our beauty comes from our relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something, church. The church is beautiful. So many people criticize the church. We see the media. We see even pastors, and we, see, we hear this. Oh, they talk about the church and how awful is the church and how bad is the church. Let me tell you something. Jesus' church is beautiful to him. Jesus' church is beautiful to him. He loves the church. He knows, he understands that there's issues in, among us. There's problems, there's sin sometimes, but he will take care of it. He loves us, church. So if Jesus is not um, giving up himself to the church, why are you giving up? Why are you giving up? Maybe some of you are considering right now, oh, I'm, this is the last time I go to church. Really? Is that your heart? Don't you understand that Jesus loves the church? And he will never give up on the church because he gave his blood for her. And you should never give up on the church. God's church. The church is the house of Jesus, the people of Jesus, the bride of Jesus. He owns her Therefore, he defines her. Jesus defines the church, not us. That means that we should not be working to make the church beautiful to the world. We should be working to make the church beautiful to Jesus, for Jesus. We should not be in pursuit and satisfying the individual needs the individual desires, oh, this church, I don't like the church. Well, Jesus likes the church. He loves it. That's why he provides this church with giftings, with pastors, with all that we are able to enjoy spiritually. We, we can come up with this, church. We need to understand that whatever happens in the spirit here is, here is from the Lord. It's not us. Jesus does it. Because he loves us. He loves the church. The church is not attracted to the devil. The church is not attracted to the world. It will never be attracted to the world unless the church becomes the world. Do you understand that? Unless the church becomes the world, starts behaving like the world, 
then it will be attracted to the world. But the church is not, and it will never be attracted to the world. It will never be attractive to religions, but the church is always, and will be attractive to the one who gave everything for her. The church is attractive to Jesus Christ. He is the groom. We are his. See? And so we pray that we work on that. We live like we belong to Jesus. That's why we work for unity. That's why we work for holiness. That's why we work helping other local churches we, because we know that we're not the only church, that there's a church with a big C. And so we love not only our local church, but we love Jesus' church. Amen, church? And be praying because that's, that's why we're doing this in Awaken Tijuana because we, we're not only trying to bring people to Jesus, but also we're trying to help the local churches to become one. We're praying that. We're praying. We're trying to go come together with the local churches in Tijuana so the body, the whole church, can work together for Jesus' glory. And so... We work together. We are His. We deny all other prospects. We deny everything else that offers itself for us or for, for to be with us or for us instead of Jesus. And I don't want to, I just want to read um, two verses of a song. You guys know this song, My Hope is Built and on Nothing Less. You know that song, right? But just remind, I just want to read this. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. On Christ, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Do you believe that, church? As you understand that, that we belong to Jesus Christ, as we enter into Jesus' relationship, we understand that we are getting ready for him. We need to live like we belong to him. The final aspect of the Jewish uh, marriage is the party, the actual day. When they come together, everybody comes in, they celebrate, and that's, what you, that's what we just read in Revelation 19. We come together, we meet our Savior. We look, and so that, and the bride is happy. The bride is getting ready, she's excited. She, know, she doesn't know when she's going to meet her groom, but she knows he's coming. She knows that anytime he will come. The custom was that he will walk through the, through the town with sounds of trumpets, with music. And as she hears the sound, she knows, oh, here he comes, mi novio. Yeah. And then she's waiting for him. She gets ready. She puts on the gown and she brings her friends. Everybody's ready when they come together. And there's a big celebration. And that's where we're at right now. We are just with our ears ready, trying to hear the last trumpet. That trumpet that will say, Jesus is here. You know, just we need to understand the, the importance of this. John, in, in Revelation, he's writing, 
originally not to us. It is for us, but originally he's writing to the persecuted Christians back in his day. Remember? And remember, those Christians are being persecuted. They're losing their houses. They're losing their families. They're losing their own life. They need hope. They have convictions in their hearts, but the circumstances in their lives are not matching. They have hope in Jesus, but the things are not looking well for them. They're gloomy. They're dark. There's persecution for them. And so uh, John through the Spirit, is writing to give them hope and letting them know that Jesus is still in control, that Jesus is coming. Not only that, that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords and he is in control, but the church, even though it seems like it's dying, the church will be victorious, that the church will be with Jesus, and that gave them hope. And today, I just want to give you that hope that you will, you will be with, Christ, uh, with Jesus Christ in heaven. Probably you don't feel like a victorious Christian today. Probably you don't feel like, like you deserve even to be sitting right now in this uh, seat right now and listening to the word. But um, let me tell you something. Jesus loves you. You belong to him. And eventually, you will be with him in eternity. You will be with Jesus Christ. We need to be expectant of his coming. We not, all, not only that, but we need to be excited, church. We need to be excited. I think that's something that we need. And with all respect, church, I love you guys, but there's something you need to learn about the Hispanic culture. We get excited. <laughs> we get excited. I love you guys, but we need to learn that. We need to be excited and see Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Excited enough, excited enough to change our attitudes. Excited enough to impact other people. Excited enough not only to impact other people, but to make sure that other people comes with us. To that meeting. This is what the Bible says. Could you please stand up? Could you please stand up and read Revelation 22, 17 with us, with me? It's not on your, uh, your screen, so don't look for it. Open your Bible, Revelation 22, 17. Are you guys ready? Can you read it out loud with me? I'm reading from the New King James Version. You guys ready? And the Spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Are you excited, church? We are the bride. We are the bride. We need to be ready. We want to be ready. We will be ready for Jesus Christ. We will be ready. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for reminding us that we are yours. That there is a heaven waiting for us. There is eternity for us waiting with you, Jesus Christ. We understand that we're not perfect here today. And we're not saying this just to be uh, conformed to this world. We don't want to be like that. We want to be holy for you, Lord. 
We do want to be holy. We want to get rid of anything and everything that hinders our relationship with you, Jesus. So today, please forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, for not honoring your love. Forgive us, Lord, for not honoring the fact that we belong to you. You bought us with your blood. Forgive us, Lord, for forgetting that there is a purpose for us, that we're just travelers in this world, that there's a destiny with you, Lord. The church is yours. We don't, we don't want to make the church something attractive to the world. We want to be attractive to you, Lord. We want to be pleasing to you, Lord. We want to reach the world with your love. Help us to make that the only thing, the only purpose in our heart, to love you and love others like you loved us, Lord. And as we pray, Lord, I know there's people that they, they don't have this hope in you. They don't have the hope of salvation. They don't have the hope of being with you for eternity. I pray today that they will open their hearts to you. They will commit their lives to you, the one who gave it all for them. I pray that you will bring salvation and restore lives today. And so as we all pray, I do want to ask, is there anybody here that needs a relationship with Jesus Christ? Maybe you are hearing all this and, and, and you're not sure if you're going with Christ. You're not sure if you belong to Jesus Christ. Let me tell you how can you belong to Christ. Surrender yourself to Him. Repent of your sins and tell Him, God, take hold of my heart with your love. Make me yours. I want to be yours and, not, and only yours. The promise of Jesus Christ says that whoever opens his heart for him, he will come in, he will forgive, he will change your heart, and he will give you a eternal destiny with him. So if there's anybody here that wants to give his life to Jesus Christ, would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. I see your hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Everybody's standing, so could you please raise your hand up high so we can see you. See your hand. See your hand back there. Thank you. Anybody else back there? I see your hand. Thank you. This is the time you tell Jesus Christ, Christ, please take me. I want to be yours. I want to be your bride. I want to be taken care of by your love and mercy. Anybody else? Please raise your hand. I want to pray for you. The people that just raise your hand, can you pr please pray this prayer with me? Lord God, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he died for me. I believe he paid a price for me and he is alive today. And because I believe, I surrender my love to Jesus, my life to Jesus Christ. Forgive me, Lord, for my sins. I apologize 
for my mistakes. Make me yours. Make me new. Give me hope. Give me a new life. I trust you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Before we end, I will ask, I would like to ask the, the people that just raised their hands and pray this prayer. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you did pray this prayer. Would you please come up? There's counselors, prayer people here that want to talk to you and, and just guide you to your journey uh, with Jesus. Would you please come up front? I saw your hands, please. There's a couple of people. Just come up in front. Would you give church a hand to these people? Praise the Lord for these people. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you, man. There's somebody here. He, she, she, he can talk to you. Church, final calling for us. Let's be excited for Jesus. Let's be excited for His coming. Let's be excited for heaven. And let's praise the Lord.